0: Good Faith Media is supported in part by the Ula May and John Baugh Foundation. The Baugh Foundation, established in Texas in 1994, recognizes the God-given dignity of every person. The foundation supports nonprofit organizations that reflect the love of Christ by providing assistance to those in need, enriching the lives of children and youth, keeping faith communities informed and engaged, and protecting individual freedoms. The Baugh Foundation. Supporter of Good Faith Media and Brother Molly.
1: For generations to come, Baptists will have Molly Marshall to thank for any woman who preaches, teaches, or leads our churches or schools. I'm George Mason, host of The Good God Project, conversations that matter about faith and public life. You can find our weekly video podcasts on Good Faith Media or at goodgodproject.com. Thanks for tuning in to Brother Molly.
0: So the story goes that Brother Molly was once meeting with trustees of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville. Brother Molly, or Dr. Molly Marshall Green, was going up for tenure. Some of the trustees were bothered by some of what had been in her dissertation. They wanted to hear her say that she believed in the thoroughly depraved nature of humankind. In the heat of the dialogue, one trustee asked Brother Molly, Dr. Marshall Green, do you believe in the total depravity of man? After a brief pause, she replied, Yes, and a few women, too. Welcome back to Brother Molly a six-episode documentary podcast from Good Faith Media on the life and work of theologian Molly T. Marshall. I'm Erica Whitaker. Episode 3, The Rocking Chair. Molly is now Molly Marshall Green, having gotten married to Dr. Douglas Green. And Molly Marshall Green is now Dr. Molly Marshall Green, having earned her PhD in theology from Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. And now Dr. Molly Marshall Green is the first female theology faculty member in the history of Southern Seminary. But this epic tale doesn't end here.
2: I began then to teach January of 1984, right after receiving the PhD. And I remained, remained as uh, the pastor there for about two years.
0: That's as pastor of Rural Jordan Baptist Church of Eagle Station, Kentucky.
2: Well, this incensed uh, the conservative resurgence, the hostile takeover, because there's a woman on the faculty who's a pastor. And that infuriated, not just that I was teaching theology, but that I was ordained and was serving as a pastor. And that was a very, um, kind of an oppressive time.
0: When Molly lands at Southern in 1984 as a professor, so lands a whopper of a resolution at the Southern Baptist Convention's annual meeting in June. That year, in Kansas City... There are resolutions about abortion, gambling, alcohol, cigarettes, secular humanism, and so much more. Let's focus on this one, the resolution on ordination and the role of women in ministry. The resolution begins with the customary whereas, for example, whereas we recognize the authority of scripture in all matters of faith, yada, yada, yada. There are twelve whereas-is, followed by the final be it resolved. Some of the whereas take pains not to alienate women. For example, whereas the New Testament emphasizes the equal dignity of men and women. And whereas, women as well as men prayed and prophesied in public worship services. But other whereas move deliberately in another direction. Whereas, the scripture attests to God's delegated order of authority, God the head of Christ, Christ the head of man, man the head of woman. And whereas, the scriptures teach that women are not in public worship to assume a role of authority over men. And whereas, man was the first in creation and the woman was first in the Edenic fall. Have you too grown weary of where all this is going? Let me give you a bit of theological background. The Edenic Fall, Edenic, referring to the Garden of Eden, a creation story from the book of Genesis. You know, the one about Adam and Eve, the first human beings? The story holds that Eve is tempted to eat a forbidden fruit offered by a talking, tempting, leggy, long-winded serpent. Eve fails the test and eats the apple or pear or whatever the fruit it is. She then gives it to Adam, who also takes a bite. This is the Edenic fall, and Eve, importantly, according to the Southern Baptist resolution, fell first.
2: Women would not be accepted in pastoral roles because of their priority in the Edenic fall.
0: And so, because in that story, the man was created first, but the woman fell first, and because of specific interpretations of other specific scriptural verses, the Southern Baptist Convention, a fruit basket of resolutions, resolved to, quote, encourage the service of women in all aspects of church life and work other than pastoral functions and leadership roles entailing ordination. Once again, Dr. Eileen Campbell-Reed.
3: I feel like the 1984 Kansas City Resolution was written in many ways out of fear, out of loss uh, and and grief over a kind of um, perceived way of living. And that way of living really involved trying to avoid being vulnerable at all turns. So you put everything in order. You have God in charge of the world, and Jesus in charge of the church, and every man in charge of his wife, and every parent in charge of the children, and every master in charge of slaves. And so you see where the idea of that order breaks down quickly, because it doesn't really keep us all on the same playing field as humans. And so being vulnerable is about being human, but it doesn't have to be about control and fear. And anxiety, which is what I see when I read the nineteen eighty four Kansas City Resolution.
2: The summer of eighty four, I've been on the faculty one semester. My husband was arrested for a crime. Douglas had been involved in some uh, less than honorable activity in terms of wanting to find a way to uh, make some extra money, launder some money. He then was basically entrapped, made a public spectacle. This is my first year of teaching. Uh, He is arrested while I am at the Southern Baptist Convention uh, in the summer of 84. Uh, I came back. He was uh, in jail at the time. And we then spent the summer trying to do the legal things necessary, but he was sentenced to uh three years in prison next year and a half uh he was in a minimum security prison in lexington so the duress of not only she's been a pastor but her husband's in federal prison was um that's why i have a bit of a stiff spine i've been tested
0: the pressure increases not only on molly but also on roy honeycutt Southern Seminary's president. He is pressured greatly to remove
2: Molly. Uh, Roy was pretty concerned, and at one point he said, I think you need to resign, Molly. And I thought about it, because I have had immense respect uh, for Dr. Honeycutt, and I said, but sir, I don't think I should. I have done nothing wrong. I'm not involved in any of this. This had been clandestine activity that I was uh, little aware of. And so he said, well, okay, uh, it's, going to be, it's going to be rough, as you know. And uh, he received uh, some criticism. Roy believed in me. He knew that I had nothing to do with what Douglas had done. It would have been easier for him to put me away quietly, but he chose not to do so. And he uh, stood by, he stood by me. The first year of teaching, you're scrambling anyway. I'm going every Friday, 70 miles to Lexington to visit. The public humiliation of that, while um, the fundamentalists have me as Exhibit A.
0: The obstacles for Molly keep coming.
2: There were, were, many, um, there were many challenges in the time, uh, in terms of trying to pay legal bills, uh, an assistant professor's salary, his, his own salary having come... Uh, an end and we didn't know if he would ever practice medicine again. And one of the concerns was how can I help preserve his medical license, which you surrender at the point that you go into prison. But we kept working and trying to think about uh, what would be possible as he uh, returned. We were just a couple of years into our marriage when the arrest and the incarceration occurred. Uh, some folk encouraged me at that point. Molly, cut your losses. Don't stay in this marriage. And yet I, uh, I loved Douglas, and I believed that we could wrestle something good uh, out of it. I felt like it was a very important for me uh, to model forgiveness, to not say, why did you do this to me, but how could this happen to us, and to try to remain uh, faithful in support and commitment as, as a witness to redemption.
0: Forgiveness is a bold move, and Brother Molly refuses to forsake her theological convictions, even at the risk of her career.
2: If I'm very, very blunt, it was very hard for me to see that he had put me at such vocational risk. That was the really hard thing for me to overcome. I had worked very hard and it had been um, not easy uh, to be appointed, uh, elected to the faculty. And for him to put that at risk was very hard for me to forgive because I saw it as uh, betrayal. But once again, I had to ask, do I believe the gospel? Do I believe in forgiveness? Do I believe... Uh, Jesus' capacity to restore. Do I have in me that possibility? And so to have some deep experience in forgiveness, I believe has made me a better theologian and a better person, uh, allows me to hold things a little more lightly with a little more humility, a little less judgment, but I have uh, tried to practice what I think is the hardest Christian virtue, which is forgiveness.
0: Brother Molly returns after the break.
3: This is Mitch Randall, CEO of Good Faith Media. If you like compelling and authentic stories, real stories that are both intriguing and complex, consider making a donation at goodfaithmedia.org. At Good Faith Media, there's always more to tell.
0: Do you minister in a rural congregation? BSK's three-course rural ministry certificate is offered in collaboration with the Berry Center. BSK also offers a certificate in pastoral care. Learn more and apply today at bsk.edu. You're listening to Brother Molly, season one of Good Faith Stories from Good Faith Media. Learn more about Molly T. Marshall in this podcast at brothermolly.com and learn more about Good Faith Media at goodfaithmedia.org. Brother Molly continues. Molly's first year on faculty is obviously eventful. But she is a professor, living her vocation. For Southern is a place she loves. And this is important to note. Despite the personal challenges and denominational controversy, Molly teaches. And my God, is she good. Here's Mark Medley, one of her students at Southern.
3: Molly gave me... Uh, her classes gave me a framework and language and idea um, and to, to kind of start to hang, hang theology on. And, so, and it, it just opened up all these different uh, doorways to explore uh, the great cathedral that is Christian theology. And, and I'm grateful to her for that.
0: And David Goatley, another Molly protege.
4: And while she was not, uh, you know, a, a, a patriarchal and hierarchical um, professor, her it was clear uh, who was leading the journey. So it was, it, you know, you, it, it, she didn't have to. She didn't have to tell you that she was in charge of the room. Uh, it was clear by her command of the information uh, about her uh, confidence in herself uh, as a minister of the gospel and as a teacher uh, in the academy and as a scholar for the church, uh, her depth and breadth of knowledge. Uh, I remember when we would have our doctoral seminars, she She was actively engaged uh whether it was talking about issues related uh to uh, New Testament theology or Old Testament theology or church history she was modeling a way of leading uh, that was worthy of and teaching that was worthy of uh, replication and imitation by all of us.
0: And Steve Haddon. And that's where I began the
1: journey with having my first female mentor. I had never had anyone, I guess you would say, quote, in authority over me uh, as a female. So I was uh, intimidated b- both by her intelligence. And her intensity with which she exercised theology and her expectations were exceedingly high. I always found her very demanding and expected everything to be just right. There'd be no utilization of any masculine pronouns. It would always be gender neutral. And my papers would be marked up, you know, grammatically and better sentence structure, but especially for the proper use of um, accurate pronouns. My papers looked like something in between chicken pox and measles with corrections. So I was uh, intimidated by her her intelligence. As I said, she she was just brilliant and beautiful, uh, imposing, intimidating because of her intelligence, her articulation.
2: When I first began to teach at Southern, I wanted a rocking chair in my office. I asked my husband for a Kennedy rocking chair because they're beautiful and they're comfortable. And I also thought it would be, uh, it will be a symbol of welcome. Invite someone in, give them the best seat in the room. Kind of an easy place from which a student could have a conversation. If you're in a rocking chair, you're just a little more comfortable and relaxed. You know how things kind of take on a life of their own. It became a bit of the, the bit of the lore. And then ultimately I had two in the office, so we could,
3: I could rock two. I cannot think about my days at Southern Seminary and the relationship with Molly as, as my doctor Mutter as the German says, my doctor mother. Uh, without thinking about those rocking chairs, I have always thought of the rocking chairs as holy space. Um, you, if you walked in her office in, in uh, on one of the wings at Norton Hall. on the second floor and she had her desk back there but she had these rocking chairs and setting in front of the desk and then when she really wanted to have conversation with you she'd come out around the desk and she would sit in rocking chair on the on the on the right side A student would sit down in the left and you would sit there and you would just have really wonderful conversation She was answering questions that I or any student would have. She sometimes probed, she challenged, she helped, she asked you to clarify, she pushed, she prodded. She's very pastoral in that space. Um, She's exercising all her gifts in maximal ways. Some of those conversations were about vocation and ministry and where I was going, how I thought about where I was headed uh, and then there was other times when the conversations were just personal about life and being newlywed and being married and how was all that going, being a seminary student. Yeah, those chairs are, are pretty etched in my memory of Molly. It's just something about a rocking chair.
0: Dr. Molly Marshall-Green, becomes a well-loved professor at Southern, and her reputation continues to expand to worlds well beyond the seminary's walls.
5: I knew about her when I was teaching at Southwestern in the late 80s and early 90s.
0: This is Ray Higgins, who was then an assistant professor at Southwestern in Texas, another one of the SBC's major seminaries.
5: She was brilliant. She was very... uh, engaging with students. She created a community of learning around her and there were students that were just drawn to her passion and her uh, uh, relevant and fresh expression of theology, of Christian theology. In Southern Baptist life at the time, it it was still a very male-dominated world. There were very few women Graduate students there, were, and there were more women graduate students than there were women who were professors. And so she was one of the few women professors in Southern Baptist life. And she was such a strong, clear voice, a fresh voice, um, a, a voice that that was carrying the same gravitas as the male. Uh, faculty members at the time, even though she was young. Her voice really stood out as a very mature and, and deep-thinking um, faculty uh, professor.
0: Molly is teaching and writing, speaking and preaching at churches, seminaries, colleges, and universities. For many women and men in Baptist circles, it is the first time they've ever heard a woman preach. This is a welcome development for some Baptists, but let's be honest. Not all. Molly's naysayers continue to oppose her ordination, her preaching, her theology. And in 1988, Dr. Molly Marshall Green, 38 years old, goes up for tenure. Southern's Board of Trustees, a group awash in the denominational controversy, debates for two hours before voting. Much of the discussion centers on Molly's dissertation and her theological beliefs. And the title of it is No Salvation, Salvation
2: Outside the Church, a Critical Inquiry, hmm. uh, which, of course, yeah, set up consternation.
0: That's me with Molly. We're in the library at Southern Seminary, checking to see if her dissertation is still on the shelf. It is. We laugh together with righteous enthusiasm.
2: But I was asking the Christological and ecclesiological questions about salvation and traced the history mm. of how the church had handled that, moving toward a paradigm of exclusive, inclusive, and what I call relativist rather than pluralist. Mm. Probably did
0: Molly it. flips through its pages, going on and on about its finer theological points, something some of the trustees wanted to do, accusing her of universalism. The idea that God's grace will cover everyone, not just born-again Christians. Once, when someone accused Molly of being a universalist, she quipped, I am not. I don't believe fundamentalists can be saved, because they don't believe in grace. Come on, it's okay to laugh. The Board of Trustees hears a unanimous recommendation for Molly's tenure from the Ten-Year Committee. A passionate defense of Molly by President Roy Honeycutt, a statement of student support, and a written statement submitted by Molly defending her beliefs as being in accordance with the seminary's abstract of principles, which is the seminary's governing theological statement. The final vote on Molly's tenure. 45 for it, 7 against, 3 abstentions. Dr. Molly Marshall Green levels up in Southern Baptist institutional life.
2: When I was granted tenure, uh, he invited me to his office.
0: That would be Roy Honeycutt.
2: And I thought, oh no. This is after the board has left. They're going to take it back. He invited me to the president's office and he said, I just want you to see me sign this uh, recognition of promotion and tenure. So, a faculty address is a big event in the life of a faculty member. It's when you, it's a celebration of having gained tenure and you offer an address that breaks new ground in your, in your discipline. And my younger brother brought my mother uh, to Louisville for this. And then they came to class with me. And I think my mother was pretty overwhelmed by, proud, overwhelmed by her seeing me function in that, in that setting. And so she sees me actually Uh, teaching. I remember her saying to me, honey, I didn't know you knew so many words. This was her uh, kind of colloquial reflection after hearing me lecture in class and hearing the faculty address. And so it was lovely to hear, but there was also a poignance in that for me, because I realized I have moved into a level of intellectual work and theological reflection that is well beyond my, my rearing and the ethos from which I came. It became a stark contrast that day of what educational privilege I had and the grace of the vocation that I had longed uh, to have.
0: Molly is named Associate Dean in the School of Theology, and she continues to have a monumental impact in the classroom, on student life, and in Southern Baptist culture. And after about a decade as Molly Marshall Green...
2: Douglas and I talked and I said, I'm just going to go back to Molly T. Marshall. I'd never had my social security card changed. I had just taken on Marshall Green as a professional name. And so it was no problem just to, just to return uh, to that usage. And for me, it was a matter of identity. It was a matter of not Dr. Green, Dr. Green, when people would forget to hyphenate. And it was also a claim uh, to identity in that I'd written some things as Molly T. Marshall before I married. So... Uh, I did that. One year I sent out a, a Christmas card that said, I have let go of the green, but not Douglas.
0: Meanwhile, the Conservatives' grip on Southern Baptist life, including its institutions, has tightened. What progressive Baptists call the hostile takeover. And in 1993, the man who hired and stood by Molly, Roy Honeycutt, is shown the exit door of the president's office at Southern. His replacement? a 33-year-old Albert Moeller. And it is widely believed that one of the new administration's top priorities is removing Molly T. Marshall from the faculty. Brother Molly is a production of Good Faith Media. It's hosted by me, Erica Whitaker. It's written by Cliff Vaughn with additional writing by me. Cliff Vaughn is the producer and editor, and Mitch Randall is the executive producer. Narration recorded by Carter Harrell. Special thanks in this episode to Eileen Campbell Reed, David Goatley, Steve Haddon, Ray Higgins, and Mark Medley.
3: This is Mitch Randall, Executive Director of Ethics Daily.
1: And I'm Johnny Pierce, Executive Editor of Nurturing Faith.
3: Did you know that our organizations are merging to form Good Faith Media?
0: I'm Autumn Lockett, the new Executive Director of Marketing and Development for Good Faith Media. We've been working on this venture for months.
1: And we're excited. There's more to tell. Go to goodfaithmedia.org.